one side of the virtual hardwood, it's the NLSE Podcast. This is episode number 455. I am Andrew, Andrew in our forum, and Andrew NLSE on Twitter. I'm joined as always by my co-host Derek. He is DP3 in our forum, and also on Twitter at DP384 and DP3G. Derek, good to be talking to you as always. How's it going? It's going well, Andrew. How are you? Can't complain. Can't complain. Perfect. Uh, so for our listeners, this episode will be mostly centered around NBA 2K23. Uh, we will be giving our full list of pros and cons. Uh, in a sense, this will be a final review, and we will discuss where we believe NBA 2K23 stands in the series overall. So I, I know that I have a long list of pros and cons related to depth, graphics, gameplay, and I know you put something together as well. But for our retro heads, um, I promise you that we will be discussing some of the classics on this show, whether it be during the NBA 2K23 discussion or later on when we hit the mailbag and we talk about NBA Live 2003 dunk ratings. Yeah, you can't really keep us away from the retro titles. No, in fact, it's it was kind of a sad week in a way because you and I weren't able to connect on Parsec and play anything. I think both of us were super tied up in other obligations and kind of doing our own thing, but let's make it a goal to jump on NBA jam on fire edition and play some road trip. Uh, we can also, you know, revisit NBA live 2000 again, if you're up for that. Uh, but yeah, we have an endless library of basketball titles that we can revisit. Twist my arm. I'll play some more on fire edition. I suppose if I, if I really must and uh, 2000 again, I'll, hold my nose and play that classic, uh, I suppose. But uh, no, I'm looking forward to that. We will uh, tee that up over the next week and uh, I'm sure share some videos with our uh, our viewers on YouTube. And uh, we really appreciate all the support we're getting there as we upload more and more content these days. But uh, yeah, NBA 2K23, our, uh, I guess, maybe not our final, final, final word. We, we probably will have things to say about it moving forward. But there was a new patch. Patch 3.0 came th- out this past week and uh, a lot of people seem to be enjoying that it's the game kind of in its final state we assume uh, it is a season three update for the most part but also has likeness updates and a few gameplay tweaks but it's more or less the 2k23 the ma 2k23 that we're getting moving forward Derek. yeah that's why i thought this might be a good time to do the final review definitely and kind of give our final thoughts uh in detail on this show because i think this is probably going to be what we get for the rest of the game cycle for the most part they'll probably do small tweaks here and there but this is the gameplay these are the features etc so um yeah i mean i broke it down and there's definitely a lot to love about nba 2k23 but there's also some missteps that i definitely think they could improve on for the next edition of the game i think we're gonna have a lot of the same thoughts uh, on this uh gameplay wise uh Easily, I think, the best of the next-gen version, or the current generation, whatever you want to call it, PS5, Xbox Series X, the the best title to me. I would definitely rank it number one out of those three. I know it's not a, a, lot, a big selection to uh, to clear the bar on, but, you know, it, it kind of ranks up there among games we've got over the past decade as well. There are games I've put ahead of it. We will get into that. But, again, as I've said in previous shows, I actually feel inclined to play 2K23, which is a huge step up for me over 2K21 and 2K22, and yeah, it, it has been enjoyable when I've played it, for the most part. Yeah, and I've spent a ton of time on it playing co-op locally with my brother. Uh, we're over 40 games now into a Legends My NBA, 
and that's with 12 minute quarters. So we're and we're playing every game. So it's a lot of hours on the game just in that season. Uh, and I've obviously played through a good chunk of domination in my team. You really so go into that. Obviously, yeah. You mean, yeah, just, yeah. I've been getting yeah, into it. It's been much. really fun to share the highlights with the community. It's been fun to upload the videos. Um, to the NLSC YouTube and to my own personal YouTube. And one thing, and this is part of the pros, and we'll get into that. One thing that's really good about NBA 2K23 is it can produce some amazing highlights. So for somebody like us, who, you know, we, we run the NLSC, you know, we have the opportunity to share these events, these happenings and whatnot with the basketball gaming community, you know, whether it be on the forum, whether it be on Twitter, on YouTube, Instagram, et cetera, you know, having a game that can produce great highlights, it makes you want to put it on. Right. And it makes you, you want to, you know, upload that content and, you know, create conversation around what happened. And it's, you've seen it in the top 10 plays of the week, right? You know, every week we're getting some amazing highlights from NBA 2K23. In fact, this week's edition, um, which was year two, week 29 of the NLSC top 10, had many NBA 2K23 highlights from whether it's using the MyNBA errors rosters, whether it's a straight up MyNBA. And the number one play, uh, which was submitted by Teddy Bear the Gamer, was using the MyNBA errors rosters. And it was a spin move with Michael Jordan into the paint where he posterizes Xavier McDaniel. It looked awesome set the, the number two play in the countdown was me using Clyde Drexler throwing an al- a no look alley-oop to Julia serving who uh, who throws it down in traffic and it's just it can produce some amazing highlights we're seeing that a lot in the top 10 we're seeing that with you sharing your highlights on you know on our YouTube channel on Twitter and yeah it, it just feels so satisfying when you throw it when you when it all comes together like that, and that is a key ingredient in, in enjoying a basketball video game, that, that it does feel good, play-to-play, moment-to-moment, but when those big moments happen and they just really excite you, almost bring you out of your seat uh, when you're playing it, yeah, that, that's what it's all about, and, and 2K23 definitely delivers on that front. Uh, yeah, that, uh, that alley-oop you had with uh, Julius Irving was just ridiculous. Yeah, and it doesn't get old making great highlights. So it definitely makes us, it encourages us to put the game on. Uh, so first I want to go over depth. And we're going to go over the pros first. So roster editing options. Uh, it's some of the best in sports gaming, if not the best. You know, the import-export DNA feature, uh, the ability to create players, to edit basically every aspect of the player, whether it be the signatures, the tendencies, the attributes, uh, you know, swapping out accessories. And there's just so much to the roster editing, and you can edit the classic teams, the all-time teams, uh, you know, the G League teams, and then you have, like, roster sharing. And there is just so much to do and so much to customize that um, you could just spend hours not even setting foot on the virtual hardwood. You know, you could just spend uh, an endless amount of time, you know, going through making the rosters what you want them to be, creating rosters, sharing them with the community, et cetera. So, like, depth-wise, roster editing is just absolutely fantastic. And it's vital. I mean, look at Live 19. And, and how weak roster editing was even in live 18 was it was better but the fact that it took so long to come in it back to come back into nba live the fact that it, it wasn't as uh, robust or bug free as it needed to be 
you know, that's, that is a big part of basketball gaming, to customize it as you need. Uh, if you are sticking with a title, obviously 2K is coming up with new titles where live isn't. But if you are sticking with a title for a little bit longer, or if you're playing into the off-season, waiting for the new release to come, and you want to add some new rookies and, and, uh, and move the, the plays around and, and update for transactions and play with some updated rosters before the new game comes out, yeah, that, that is why roster editing is so important. Not to mention all the fantastic uh, retro projects and everything else our community does. But that's also why NBA 2K is still around and still flourishing and NBA Live is dormant, right? Because NBA 2K, the developers the, um, and whatnot, they have moved the game forward. Yes. They've enhanced the roster editing. They've enhanced the My NBA def. They've added things like they did this year with the Jordan Challenge and My NBA errors. So they've moved forward while NBA Live was taking features away. And even skipping years where they didn't even release their game. So, um, yeah, and before I move forward, depth-wise, in my opinion, NBA 2K23 has the most depth in sports video game history by far. I'd agree. And it has yeah. the most things that you can do as far as customization by far. And it is a huge pro. That's what has a lot of people spending hours upon hours on these games. So the next piece of depth is... My NBA depth and customization. So stat tracking, it's elite in this game. The awards, you know, the award races, the all-star voting, the, you know, rookie of the month, the, uh, the player of the month, etc. With the multi-user ability, you can control as many teams as you want. You can customize the league and bring in classic teams or all-time teams. You can do so much. You can do a season with... Only, I don't know, you could choose like 12 teams and do a 12-team season. Or you can do a 30-team season. All up to you. You can add more teams. Just so much customization. You can create your own jerseys, your own courts, your own arenas. You can add sound effects. You can upload your creations to 2K Share. And people can use your season or your creations and whatnot. The My NBA depth is ridiculous. And it's been great for years. It's It's been great, you know, since, I don't know, 2K16, 2K17. Exactly, yeah. And whatnot. And they just keep building on it. It's my brother and I are so into it. You know, every year now we go into my NBA. Uh, I create the jerseys, the court, the um, the arena in general, and we'll put our team together um, of legends together and we'll take the court. And it is awesome. You know, we're always looking at the award races. We have stat goals. Just awesome. So that hits for us. So even if we don't like the head to head as much like human versus human, which I'll get into it a little bit later, at least we can have a blast playing co-op. And that's the beauty of NBA 2K, right? You get all of these different options that you could sink your teeth into. And one of them is bound to pique your interest. So my NBA peaks our interest in that way. The continued innovation has been a strength of 2Ks. Going back to the early 2000s, when they were first starting to compete with NBA Live. And look, NBA Live, that used to be a staple of that series through the 90s, even through to about the mid-2000s. There were some missteps along the way, of course, but they were, they were continuing to build on what they already had. And around about the mid-2000s, the, the late 2000s, they would introduce features like the Push Dynasty, for example, in NBA Live 08, and simply not really follow up on it. And, it, and the, the mode would actually get shallower again as of NBA Live 10. 
which was disappointing because Live 10 is otherwise a very strong title. Conversely, 2K has kept building and building and building, as you said. Now, there have been a couple of missteps. Uh, the first iteration of my GM on, uh, in 2K14, as much as I love 2K14, that is uh, that was a misstep by, by locking uh, basic functionality behind VC, uh, by not having it a, as a, a sandbox mode. They immediately corrected course the next year with my league, though, and having those two separate options. And, of course, now we have my MBA, which is completely sandboxed. You can have that combined my GM and my league experience and then you've got the W, my WNBA. You've got my team. You've got my career. You've got Play Now Online. You've got, you've got Blacktop. You've got the Jordan Challenge, uh, my NBA eras, now in, in 2K23. Just, just that amount of depth. There is so much of the game that you can not touch and still get your money's worth and spend hours with it. And that is that is absolutely a strength of 2K. Oh, no, exactly. And like I said, for you know, for me, it's been my NBA and my team. Those are the two big ones for me this year. So I have two pieces that I've been really able to get into. I was just finishing up on my NBA depth, you know, the ability to train your players, you know, the scrimmage option, the freestyle option, all of that stuff. It all adds up to having just total control. And that's what you want in a mode. Um, you know, next piece, uh, as you mentioned, my NBA eras, being able to play three classic seasons and you know, import either your own draft class or somebody else's draft class for the following seasons. Uh, that is new to NBA 2K23, and it is an awesome touch. Sure, there's those issues where every now and then a court will be incorrect or jerseys will be incorrect or something won't carry over to the next season properly and whatnot, but the bones are there. It's the first iteration. And the fact, yeah. Right, and they could have easily released NBA 2K23 without this, right? Definitely. Like they didn't have to add this depth. They could have just gone, you know, with the promotion of the Jordan challenge and really work hard on making that epic, which they did. It's an epic mode. It's an amazing mode. I don't know if anybody says epic anymore, but I do. We so, will. We do. Yeah, we will. Exactly. Um, but they gave us the Jordan challenge and my NBA airs this year. And, you know, they've razor, um, you know, old friend of the NLSC and, and he's been working for 2k the last few years. He has made so many accurate and awesome cyber faces for those, my NBA eras seasons. So uh, the attention to detail overall is improved throughout the game cycle as they've made updates. And there was a bunch of face updates in one of the most recent patches and whatnot. Um, and they really seem to be working hard on my NBA errors to try to make it as complete as possible. You know, removing some of those created players, updating some of the ratings, fixing some of the issues that the community has noticed and whatnot. So my NBA errors, a huge deal and that's going to be something great that you know they're not going to take out of the series if anything they're going to expand on it because that's what 2k has historically done is expand on content not remove it um it's going to be something that gamers can enjoy and sink their teeth into for years to come and i'm sure they will improve that depth improve that accuracy over the years continue to add year specific courts etc it is establishing the foundation as you said the other impressive part about my NBA eras, as I'm sure you'll agree, is the changing rules and formats of the league. I mean, we, we've talked to Leftos about this before when he was on the show, and he mentioned that these modes are traditionally designed for 
X amount of teams, the, the current number of teams in the NBA. So adding some and certainly removing them is, uh, is, is a challenge to have the game programmed for that because normally those modes are programmed to uh, simulate what is in the NBA and the current rules and future changes. So implementing those changes to happen automatically, if you wish, just so much detail. I, I think people really need to appreciate that because I certainly do. That they, they went to that much trouble with the, with the rules as well. And having that change year by year, I'm sure there are a few inaccuracies here and there, as with the art updates. But again, that's something that they'll, I'm sure they'll fix moving forward. And I'm I'm guessing they'll probably will add some more starting points here and there, especially uh, as they look to celebrate LeBron's career as well. So yeah, it, it's just set them up to have this incredible depth for the uh, the franchise experience. And the fact that they're doing that at a time that all the focus or most of the focus is going towards online modes and the card collecting modes and everything else is uh, was really refreshing to see. Right, exactly, because there's no cost to jump into my NBA errors. Yeah. Uh, and we don't, know, want, we don't want that to be either. We don't want that to happen. Right, <laughs> so, right. Yeah. The other big bonus is, is they didn't have to go all out with their uh, error filters, right, mm-hmm. or the scoreboards or the, you know, the halftime, you know, presentation Commentary you know teams, the espn yeah. looking yeah the espn looking presentation for the early 2000s they didn't have to go all out with that but they did there was a lot of attention to detail there it looks absolutely fantastic and um i appreciate them for that because you know i've heard a lot of positive commentary about past eras as a result and we need more of that you know, there's a lot of people that are using these rosters and creating great highlights or having great gameplay sessions and everything. And, hey, you never know. It could make some of these gamers, you know, appreciate the past a little bit more. Maybe it makes them research the past a little bit more like we did when we were younger, right? Video games were a launch pad a lot of times for that. You know, maybe they will go on YouTube and watch a, a team that they normally wouldn't watch, like a full game from a 91-92 season or like from the early 80s or the early 2000s. So I like it from an historical uh, and informational aspect as well. The Jordan Challenge. So they bring back the Jordan Challenge. That probably won't be in there next year. That's my guess. Um, because we had it in 2K11. We didn't have it again until NBA 2K23. You know, being able to relive Jordan's greatest career moments, bringing Mike Fratello back, doing the documentary aspect of it and whatnot. People have been having a blast on that mode. It's very clear that they paid special attention to detail to the teams that were represented in that mode. Clyde Drexler seemed like he got a boost and he plays more like Clyde Drexler now. He's more effective on the floor. They tried to make it as close to real life as possible. So, you know, they could always do like a Kobe challenge or a LeBron challenge at some point or something like that. There's definitely different ways they could utilize a challenge mode in future 2K. So I really don't want it to die. But at the same time, it was nice to see the Jordan challenge come back for NBA 2K23. Definitely. And it's, it's not something that you do every year that they're likely to do every year. I mean, I wouldn't object to it. Don't get me wrong. But again, it's it's kind of that landmark celebration it's 2k23 you celebrate the great 23 so it, it makes sense next year I, I wouldn't be surprised if they do celebrate kobe in 2k24 it would certainly make sense if they do that and if this establishes the bones establishes the precedent for doing that documentary style uh, in addition to the gameplay and going through his legendary career as well then they certainly could do that i i think that this establishes a precedent possibly for them to have some kind of challenge mode, some kind of retro 
uh, historical mode that uh, teaches gamers about the history of, of the sport. And for those of us who were around for it as well, us old heads, uh, we get to relive that and enjoy it and maybe get some new perspectives from those interviews. But having a different mode every year, a different historical challenge mode, I think is so important. Uh, again, I wouldn't object to it being Jordan every year and just changing up the games, but yeah, that, that's unlikely. Uh, it makes more sense to change it up every so often or have, uh, as they followed up the original Jordan challenge with NBA's greatest, where it focused on those uh, 15 great players. If they wanted to expand that, do some kind of NBA 75 mode. I mean, that's there's only so many games you can really pack in. It's already a 150 gigabyte game, so there's going to be limitations. But, but some kind of historical challenge mode, I think, would be great to have moving forward as that uh, that offline mode. And as we've seen, you can tie it into my career and my team, have people unlock rewards by completing those challenges. And this is what we always said, is it not, Derek, that if they bring back the Jordan challenge, as they did, then simply give, give people a reason to play it by giving them rewards to earn in other modes. Uh, you and I, we can just enjoy it for what it is, and many others can as well. But people who may not have a reason to check it out otherwise... Oh yeah, sure. If that if this gets me a Freegent card or a uh, a jersey to wear in my career, as as it does, yeah, why not? It's just more motivation to check it out. Exactly. Uh, I think they could do like a large VC payout if they uh, because you know VC isn't going anywhere. No. But like a large <laughs> VC payout, um, you know, by completing it or you know per challenge and whatnot, really tie it into those online modes so you could enjoy it while you were offline or if you only wanted to stay offline, but then at the same time. Uh, it would also benefit you if you did want to go online. So there's definitely a lot they could do with that. Um, continuing on the pros of the depth in the game, my team, um, I think it's the best it's been since 2K15. Uh, it's the most time I've spent on it since 2K15. Uh, having no contracts outside of the free agent cards is a massive win. Uh, being able to use your play favorite players night in and night out. You know, right now my starting lineup is Steph Curry, Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, Daryl Dawkins, and Wilt Chamberlain, and I have a deep bench, and none of these are contract cards, Andrew. So, like, for me, you know, every domination challenge, any challenge where I can take my lineup into, I can use all of these players, and I can have a blast. It's definitely made me play the mode a lot more. And, like I stated earlier, you can just make some great highlights. And I want to give some credit to Mike Wong for making it a goal, like he stated, I think it was two years ago, that he wanted to put the fun back into the series and i think you can agree that the the fun you know between with 2k18 and whatnot it, it had kind of been sucked out of Definitely. the series especially sure. with the early addition you know the early games in the with the new motion system uh so it's definitely fun to put on my team and try to put together highlights um endless amount of challenges you can take part in in my team there's just hundreds of hours of content in that mode uh something you know it's something for the casual gamer and it's also for somebody who wants a challenge and they also added the ability to you know play part of the mode online co-op uh, i personally wish you know for me and my brother that the whole mode like all the offline stuff that you can do would you know they would allow you to play co-op through all of that like build your team with somebody else locally and you know do domination locally and whatnot that's wishful thinking on my part but it is like something i'd love to see but my team is just so deep and it like i said it, it's more fair to the gamer this year and it's something that a casual gamer can sink their teeth into or somebody who wants a real challenge removing contracts is one of those small changes that is huge 
in the grand scheme of things because it makes it so much fairer. It, it makes you want to play, as you said, because in the past, if you're playing the game and there's a connection error, as th- that does happen with 2K servers, or indeed, you know, sometimes it is the end user, then you end up wasting a contract. Or if somebody rage quits or otherwise ruins the game, you've, wa- you've wasted a contract and you can't. you need to worry about this consumable. And what I love about it is that they haven't replaced that with another system. I know we're not getting into the cons yet, but I'm not a big fan of having too many consumables in my team. That that is still a bit of an issue there for me. But simply removing contracts is is, uh, really outweighs all of that, and it does make it a lot more fun. At the same time, you've got the agendas and everything that encourage you to use different cards and change it up and, and use your entire collection if you wish. Or if you don't want to and you don't want to focus on that and do just want to play with your best players and your favorite players, you can do that too. So there is that flexibility there. And as I'm sure we'll get into in a moment, just that plethora of sub-modes within my team that kind of like the game as a whole, you can just focus on whatever mode appeals to you the most and not really touch anything else and still, again, get your money's worth and have so many so many hours of fun just focusing on what you want to play. And again, it speaks to the importance of depth that... Uh, to compare it again to Live Ultimate Team in Live 19, where it's basically just a series of very repetitive challenges, very dry series of challenges. I couldn't get into it. Yeah, I told you that. I told yeah. you that. I tried to get into NBA Live 19 Ultimate Team, and it was dry as a bone. Same. I just Just yeah. ridiculous challenges that, first off, there's like nothing challenging about it, number one. Number two, it was just like sometimes you're jumping in for like these two-minute games and whatnot and the and the gameplay in my and ultimate team was just not very good yeah, in that, that game too. and i just could not get into it i also want to point out really quick with my team on nba 2k 23 stuff that's underrated that just kind of flies under the radar um stuff that they didn't need to have in this mode ever but you know the ability to create your own jerseys create your own arena kind of like you can do with you know in your court you know kind of like you can do in my nba you know the the fact that players the players you use their stats get tracked and that they have the card grading service and if you use your player for a while and you know you're you're putting up numbers and and whatnot you can send your card out to get graded and i just got my reggie lewis back and it got a 9.5 mint Oh, nice. Right. And that and that allows me to get more of my team points and whatnot if I have him in the lineup. But, you know, they didn't have to have player stat tracking in my team. Right. But that's in there. So it's those little touches that I think a lot of people don't think about because a lot of people also like to complain today. Let's be honest. But, you know, there's those little touches that, you know, fly under the radar that I really appreciate. And like you say, they're kept in the game because that has been there for a couple of years now. But it doesn't it doesn't fall by the wayside. Like again, you know, not to dump on live too much, but that is a problem with live that two K has done so much better with and not been an issue there. They've kept it in the game. Exactly. Um, next uh, thing that flies under the radar is you know blacktop is still there and it's one v one, two v two, three v three, four v four, and five v five. So you still have that blacktop option in there. You know, you look at games like and one basketball from the mid 2000s which i know you're very familiar with mm-hmm. you you look at games like nba street which is three on three full court you look at games that like nba jam which is two on two and everything sure you don't get that exact experience in nba 2k 23 blacktop but it's just more depth in the game right where you can run those scenarios and maybe you want to have like a street 
type game and whatnot. And that game allows you to do that. So the fact that, you know, blacktop is still in there and you have all of these options, it's just more depth. It's just more stuff for you to sink your teeth into. You know, when I posted those one-on-one videos from Live 2001 and Live 2002, we got a couple of comments on those videos uh, pointing out we've lost those modes from NBA Live over the years, way before the, the last generation. They disappeared from the game. So once again, it's the that staple of 2K, Blacktop, that's been in there for years. Uh, is it the most popular mode? Definitely not. Do a lot of people play it every year? Probably not. But some people do. It's fun to have in the game. It's not taking anything away from anything else. So it's kept there. And it, it just adds to That's the That's what's encouraging, depth. right? Yes. Because you know they were sitting around a table at some point, or they were on a Microsoft Teams conference call or Skype or Zoom or whatever they use, and everybody was on that call, and they were talking about what they're going to bring back. And Blacktop was on the list of what to keep. And, you know, EA Sports had these conversations before, too, and they're removing stuff from their game, right, from NBA Live. So it's encouraging to know that, you know, in 2022 – they're making an NBA basketball game for a series that they've had out since 1999 and they are not taking anything away from it. And I think that's key. Um, So on online connectivity for play now games, you know, connect with friends uh, you know, we've had that for a long time in video games, but you know, it's, it's, it's in there. It's part of depth. It's just another option. Um, obviously my career, which you've spent more time on, it's there. Uh, the story is absolutely terrible. I can't even believe how bad the story is. <laughs> and it's definitely not for you and I, let's put it that way. Um, and obviously there's a lot of, you know, unfair aspects related to, you know, not being fair to the game or whether it be the item shop, you know, how much VC you have to have in order to get your player up to an enjoyable level on the on the virtual hardwood but my career is another option depth wise and then the wnba so you know you got the w you got my wnba you got playoff mode you got wnba play now you have 2k share setups and scenarios for the wnba it's great presentation wise the super attention to detail on the players some of those cyber faces for the wnba players are just absolutely spot on they have a different commentary crew for the wnba the game feels different than the nba mode and i think that's really cool because it's the same motion engine right but when you're playing the wnba it feels like you're playing the women's game and i think that's a really cool touch and i think it's really cool that they were able to do that with the game but there's a lot of options for the wnba and i think that's just more depth and we've talked about it before sure it's definitely not their most popular mode. Sure, the WNBA in general should be more popular, but it isn't. But they really made it a point to represent them in the game, and that's a nice, I would say, unselfish touch. And it goes so much further than what Live did with the, with his WNBA content, easily. And, and I, I do love that they have made that, the, 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 there's that distinction between the gameplay that they have uh, talk to WNBA coaches that they're, that they're bothered to implement the strategy that those teams play, that it's not just a, a reskinned NBA game with some different animations here and there and different body models. Obviously, they've, they've gone that extra uh, they've gone that extra mile. That's always appreciated. And of course, because it isn't as popular, there isn't as much of a grind in the W. And of course, that also shows how that grind isn't necessary for a career mode. I'm sure I'll get into that shortly. 
but yeah it just all adds to the depth my career even as much as i have the pro problems with the story and the uh how intrusive the quests are the basic concept of quests frankly uh the vc powers etc which again i'm sure i'll uh talk talk about before this show is over there is still that depth there to the mode and you've got the offline experience of the nba side of my career and you've got several different ways to play online the online team play modes you have the park you've got the wreck you've got 3v3 and 5v5 pro-am there are problems with the, again with the online scene but the point is there is something there that if you do enjoy what's on uh, what's on tap there, there's there's options there there's choice and just like the rest of the game that's so vital the depth right so the last piece i want to speak to depth related is another thing that live really couldn't get right so they give you the option to do camera relative or absolute controls right in NBA 2K23, they, you know, so if you play on broadcast cams, a lot of times camera relative is the way to go. That's what I use and whatnot. And they allow you to choose, you know, is it going to be camera relative for pro stick defense, you know, pro stick dribbling, et cetera. And just the, the amount of options that are in NBA 2K related to sliders, you know, slider tweaks, um, controller configuration and everything, even though it often resets whenever there's a patch, which really pisses off the community sometimes um but the fact that there is so much depth related to you know those things is just another big plus for the series so i didn't want to discount that piece but yeah to summarize the pros for depth uh and like i said it's the best depth in sports gaming history so you know you have all the roster editing options you have and you have the classic teams the all-time teams the g league teams uh roster sharing all of that stuff. My NBA depth and customization, uh, my NBA eras, Jordan challenge, my team, blacktop, playoff mode, my career, online connectivity to for play now, all the WNBA stuff. Uh, it's absolutely loaded with content. And I think you would agree. No, it absolutely is. There is, again, there is something for everyone, for every basketball gamer you can find an experience that will uh, will delight you on the virtual hardwood. If you have that versatility as a basketball gamer, if there's a wide array of modes that you can enjoy, uh, which which I describe myself that way, that if you you can play my team, you like your franchise game, you enjoy my career, a bit of everything, you can go back and forth between those modes as they uh, as they tickle your fancy, if you will. Or if you just don't like what my team is like this year or my career, uh, you can go you can stick with franchise, my NBA eras etc and again within modes like my team you've got so many choices if you don't want to play domination you've got triple threat offline triple threat online you've got the uh you've got clutch time you've got all of those options so it's very easy to find something that you will enjoy in uh, in 2k23 and, and that's what i love about it before we go on a reminder that the nlsc podcast comes out every week on the nlsc me-live.com as well as our youtube channel we're also on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and other podcast apps. If you're listening on any of those apps, we'd greatly appreciate a review. To keep up with the show and everything we're doing with basketball gaming in general, connect with us on social media. On Twitter and Facebook, we are The NLSC. We also have an Instagram, NLSC Basketball. And on YouTube, we're youtube.com slash NBA Live Series Center. Once again, visit us at nba-live.com, where in addition to the podcast, you'll also find all of our original content, as well as our forum and modding community.
And I will say, too, depth is related. Gameplay goes with depth, right? The depth of the gameplay. But I did separate that section. So we're going to go over gameplay after we go over, you know, the depth cons and then go over the graphics pros and cons. But like, make no mistake, um, depth in the actual gameplay, like the on-court action, is vital. And it does hit on some of those points as well. Um, depth cons, um, so many of the classic players and teams are rushed uh still and there's still some copy paste signatures and tendencies and attributes and whatnot um and you know that frustrates me absolutely i've talked about it on twitter and that got shared on reddit um i made a video on it uh you know on 2k21 and 2k22 um just complete rush jobs copy paste paste jobs spreadsheet copy paste etc they need somebody who to work on those rosters that will give the players and teams the time and attention that they deserve. Somebody who's like a subject matter expert who, you know, has the time to really dive into those rosters and really, you know, make those players and teams accurate. And, you know, somebody who also can understand the gameplay to a point where it, you know, they know how to set those players up for success on the floor. So they play like their real life counterpart. Um, there's people in the community that will do it for free. That's the funny part. There's some great roster makers out there that would just absolutely die for a 2K to call them and say, hey, do you want to help us with this game? We can include you in the credits of the game and whatnot. So I think that that's um, one of the depth cons, and it's been a con for years. You know, I, I posted screenshots and gameplay and whatnot from nba 2k16 where a lot of the same copy paste stuff that's been in the game for the last few years was in that game so they're just like bringing those issues over from year to year and um that's not good i mean this this goes back to 2k9 2k10 even Uh, i've I've talked to you before about and i think i mentioned on the podcast as well working on a, a small update for 2k10 adding some missing legends and going through the legends that are already there in the all-decade teams and seeing how many ratings are just identical across the board, how many attributes are identical, how many tendencies are just missing. They haven't bothered to enter them into the database. And this is as of the final roster update. So they had a chance during the year to uh, to address the historical plays as well, and they didn't. 2K9 with the living rosters definitely came up short as well. Look at all the, over- the 99 overalls for whatever reason in NBA 2K9. So it's definitely, that, has, that is a, a weakness. If you talk, we've talked about the strengths of 2K throughout the years. The weakness is the rosters have never really been as strong as they should be. And my NBA era is... There are people out there, there are people out there that will do it, Andrew. That's the thing. Like, yeah, they'll do yeah. it for free or for very little pay. And they are subject matter, matter experts. They love the history of basketball. They know the way that these players play. And, and I don't want to hear that 2K doesn't have a budget of course. to bring somebody yeah. on or a team of people on to work on these rosters to make them astro- um, accurate. I think it's also, and I've talked about this on prior shows, it's, I think it's also disrespectful to the history of the game, um, to those players and even to the families, you know, so, um, you know, to some of these players who have passed and whatnot. I know you think that's, people may think that's ridiculous, but you know, we're talking about, this is a way of preserving those players legacies. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So there's definitely a huge big picture aspect of it. Um, so, but yeah, that's, I'll let you continue, but that's like a big piece of this is the fact that there are people that will do it and they'll do it for cheap. Exactly, and, and the fact that it has been going on for so long, this is an area they really need to get that those details right. And 
I mean, they have fixed up a lot of those those issues. Uh, the, the the Horace Grant face that, that was there at launch was bad, ridiculously bad. The fact that Terrell Brandon was five foot one instead of five foot eleven, just a bit of sloppiness there that was a bit disappointing in what is otherwise a very detailed mode. And, and as I've said in previous shows, because of the the depth of my NBA eras and what it's trying to achieve, getting that, that attention to detail is so important. That accuracy is so important. Yeah, I mean, I've worked on rosters before. You work on rosters. You know how easy it is to overlook a rating here or there and have to go back and fix it up. That's that's what updates are for. But some of those some of those errors yeah, were just, just importing next. Yeah, but they're just importing exporting DNA for guys like Michael Williams and making yeah. him like a it, best player on the Detroit Pistons because they haven't adjusted. In the late eighties, yeah. yeah, right. Because they just they, they just threw him on there. He's from the all time. So like, yeah, he's, like, he's all time like, version. A, yeah. Yeah, there's no reason why they can't have somebody to make Michael Williams and the other players right and more accurate and whatnot. There isn't a reason why somebody has like like there's, there shouldn't be somebody rushing Michael Williams onto the Detroit. Pistons. No, it's uh, it's it's cutting corners really, and the fact the fact that that team is already in the game as well, he should just he should just be able to uh, copy the ratings across and and of that. Uh, uh, lesser version of Michael Williams, but yeah, you, you can't cut corners on that. The whole point is the accuracy and the depth of it. So that is disappointing. It is. It has been an issue in 2K for for years now. Uh, rosters are not as strong as they should be. I, I know we all think it, going right back to the NBA Live days. Uh, I talked to Rod Redekop about it, and he mentioned how everyone was always waiting for Tim's rosters or Lutz's rosters to come through. And we all have our ideas of ratings sometimes and disagree with the official updates. But there's quibbles over an overall rating or some of the individual ratings but maybe this should be a bit higher a bit lower and then there's just flat out inaccuracies and rushed copy and paste jobs and we're, we're seeing too much of the latter in the in those rosters yeah also a reminder that when these inaccuracies are there that it impacts the gameplay dramatically so this isn't exactly. just like a cosmetic thing this exactly, isn't yeah. just a oh i'm upset that michael williams isn't made right or i'm upset that daryl dawkins is way underdone all of that stuff like you actually put these players out on the floor and they don't move like their real life counterpart. They're not capable of doing the things that they did in real life and it throws everything off. It makes it not as fun. The tendencies, yeah, absolutely. Result. Right. So tendencies, signatures, all of that stuff, badge assignments, all of that. So, you know, j- something as simple as somebody in real life like Daryl Dawkins had a sweet mid-range jump shot, which I've actually posted that on Twitter before, highlights of it, of him just smoking mid-range shots where he got up on his shot and he had a high release. And then NBA 2K, they just give him that same ridiculous set shot animation every single year. And you can't even shoot mid-range with Daryl Dawkins in NBA 2K23. So it takes an aspect of his game that he really had completely out of the equation so you can't use him realistically. And it impacts the way you use that team or if you use him in my team, etc. That's the other thing that people got to understand. It's not just impacting my NBA errors or if it's a regular you know, player that's in a roster and whatnot play now. It's also impacting like my team. Yeah, playing with with and against those players against them as right. well they're not they're not doing especially not... signatures right yeah. right because there can be boosted ratings and whatnot for players but signatures stay so the signatures are going to be like daryl Dawkins' signature in my team is going to be what it is in the roster exactly yeah. and whatnot you can't change it um so continuing forward really quick my team limitations free agent cards you and i are both not a fan of them you can't sell them you can't put them on the auction house and whatnot there's you know five contract five contracts for each of them um you should be allowed to you know sell those 
and for, for more than for more than one MT, that's ridiculous. Yeah, right. Um, you can put them on the exchange, which is nice. But yeah. the, the, to that point, the exchanges. And this has been an issue since the exchange came in. It's not great value, really. The amount that you have to trade in to actually get something, which may be a pack, which has the horrible pack odds that <laughs> you know. So you you trade a lot to get very little, and it's yeah, exactly yeah. yeah. I agree a hundred percent. You know. Under the radar, it's something that people don't talk about um, enough is uh, your VC rewards for playing regular games is almost nothing. And it doesn't help you out at all as far as being able to buy packs, uh, you know, taking it into the online seat and everything. My brother and I have played, I think, 43 games, 12 minute quarters of our My NBA Legends season, and we've accrued almost nothing for VC. Mm. The VC rewards are ridiculous. Um, you should be rewarded for spending that much time on the game if they're going to put a price on so many online aspects of it, right? Or like how expensive it is to buy packs in my team. So VC re- rewards is um, a huge con. And MT, MT2, in, in, yeah. in my team. They're, they're, yeah, those, those my team. yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, you play, you know, a my team game, and you get maybe five or six hundred points uh, or up to 700 my team points for that game. And that doesn't really get you anywhere. No. So, yeah. And you could be try- hitting goals, too. And it's just it's it's ridiculous. Um, my career and the price of everything. I know this is something you hold near and dear as a complaint, you know, the cost to upgrade your player so he can be competitive, the cost of items in the store, the gambling mechanics in the game in general, um, the costs have turned into something outrageous. You can spend a hundred dollars on the Jordan edition of the game and use all of that money that you accrued from spending, you know, that additional money on the game, which is a lot. Um, and you can only get your guy up to like roughly 80 overall even if you use all of it to upgrade your player and then you're still not able to be competitive enough against all the meta builds and whatnot and all the badged out ridiculously high overall players that are online. Uh, So you get smoked. um, So it's not fun. And then there's not proper matchmaking. So I'm going to let you talk about this for a second because I know you're closer to that action because you're into the online scene. So this is definitely a con. Oh, absolutely. I I mean, People always excuse it. Oh, it's just the way of gaming these days. And and now it's it's gotten really toxic that you're calling people broke if they're no money spent or if they don't want to put in uh, money into the mode, which is just really just playing into corporate greed. I just have no regard for that. If, you are, if you're doing that, you are shilling for a company. Just want to put that out there again. So the cost of upgrading in my career, and I want to refer back here to the W, that shows that if you start off around about 75 overall with decent... Uh, physical attributes, different athletic, uh, decent athletic ratings, and you just need to upgrade some of your key skills, then that's still a fun journey, and it is still viable to play. It's fun online. Kenny and I had a game where we jumped online and played uh, the W online, and I, I just created a player five minutes before we did that, and that player was already viable enough to have some fun. Now, was she absolutely maxed out in OP? No, but she was playable online. Compare that to my my player, and the amount of grinding I've had to do to get badges and, and uh, even spending that pre-order VC to get to about 77, 78 overall, so not, not even 80 anymore, was just ridiculous. There is no need to have such a lengthy grind to be part of the journey. If it was a fun journey, people wouldn't pay to skip it, but they do. And this is why the whole, as I've said before, the whole it's optional 
uh, argument just falls apart because it it really it really because admit- it's paying to have fun. It's paying to have fun exactly or yeah. going through or or going through multiple months of grinding your player, spending just ungodly amount of time on the game, which you probably don't have in order to get your player to a point where you're having fun. Yeah. So that's either you pay right away and you pay in to have fun, you know, early on when the game is first released or you spend multiple months not having turn fun. Into a, turn into a job. Yeah. I, I saw right. the argument. I saw the argument again on Reddit. Somebody uh, posted it in the thread that was talking about these issues and said, Oh, everyone wants to be 99 the first week. no, 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 no. People are willing to put in the grind as, as much of a hassle as it can be. They're willing to take the journey. But the point is, that journey isn't fun. I've done that journey in 2K14 uh, in, during my first uh, couple of years in my career playing 2K14. Going from a 60 overall up to the maxed out 97 as it was at the time for some builds, that was a fun journey. And it has continued to be a fun journey beyond that after maxing out. But it was a fun journey to be that lower rated player. It is not fun in the newer games. If you are playing online, you are not competitive at the start. You need to work to have fun. This is a game. It is not a job. And if you, if you do want to have that journey, make it fun. But the fact people are willing to pay to skip it... Can you imagine, Derek, going to a film, going to, going to the movies, watching a film that was a total bore for the first hour or so, but if you paid extra, they would cut it down to the best part of the movie so it was entertaining. You'd think that was a terrible movie, wouldn't you? Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, I think that, that the thing is, is that your player, and I've seen so many people talk about it, people have shown footage about it and everything. If you just buy the base game and you don't put the extra money in, the way your player comes out when you hit the hardwood um, is he is slow, he is sluggish, he yep. can't really put you know dribbles together properly, he can't finish inside, his shot sucks, all of that stuff. And you're just like, man, this sucks. And like, I want to compete, you know, this is the only basketball simulation out there. I want to, you know, have fun with my player. So what do you do? Pay. Pay, you pay or pony grind. up the money. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. You, you, yeah, you pay, pony up the money. So, and I did want to bring this up because I posted it on October 23rd and it's from an article and it stated that Take-Two generated $548 million in recurrent consumer spending in the last three months of 2021 more than it made from the sale of the full games. So that's why they do it. You know what I mean? Like it says, you know, if they're generating more money from the recurrent revenue, from those gambling mechanics and whatnot, if they're making more money than the actual games sales, then, I mean, the suit's got to be happy, right? They are. It's All that money hitting the bottom line. I want to put that point right. out because it's been pointed out. Jim Sterling in their videos have, have pointed out a lot as well. Other people too that this isn't going back to the developers. It's not going towards better servers or making the game better. It is going into the pockets of the suits. So that that's what this yeah. current revenue is for. It's not that. I also want to point out like a matchmaking as you alluded to, which also drives those recurrent revenue mechanics by forcing people to get better because of the lack of matchmaking. Uh, after a month or so, when it, when there are people with OP builds, when you have the uh, when you have that uh, matchmaking that lack of matchmaking it just makes it so toxic for people who haven't been on the grind or paying and uh, or newcomers to the game uh, the the reset every season they, they reset your record in pro-am every season which sounds good on on paper but then also resets any semblance of matchmaking what little matchmaking there is in that mode again it just pushes people towards spending uh, there's so much toxicity a lot of full squads going to the wreck that are supposed to be uh, supposed to be for random players nobody is friendly in the wreck the the whole 
grinding aspect of the mode forces you to be selfish and go for your own stats, which just completely makes the uh, random matchmaking, random teaming up modes, I should say, even more toxic than they already were, and that just keeps getting worse and worse. The scene is just uh, terrible. I know there are people who are enjoying it. If you've got some friends to play with, as I do, uh, it's a bit more enjoyable, but again, the lack of matchmaking... And, uh, and after a month or so, when people have figured out all the meta builds and how to break the game, if you haven't got that, and if you're not willing to redo your player and spend the money to do that to get them up to speed again, to uh, to get that meta build and then use that online instead, then you're stuck. Uh, the, the low VC payouts, the the story is horrible. It's it's just ridiculous. The, the fact that the story is so intrusive now, you can't skip it because it's tied into quests and the whole open world of the city in next gen. It's, it's better on current gen, actually, funnily enough. It's still there, but it's, it's better because it's not as uh, intrusive. But the fact that you can't skip the story as you could as of 2K19 and the next couple of games and you have to play through it and that it is so tied into the, the city and the pushiness of the recurrent revenue mechanics that were, that this, as you said, it's all part of that. Yeah, it's, it's, it is the worst my career mode to date that's how i sum it up so the article that i grabbed those figures from just to you know also be transparent there is it's from axios uh and the title was take two ceo's big microtransaction bonus and it was by steven Totillo, and he's the author of axios gaming um and i just want to before we close this um up this the microtransaction portion i want people to remember that the target audience is teenagers Right. The target gaming population is teenagers uh, and super young adults, but mostly teenagers. So that's the the, it's where we're digging into teenagers pockets here, in a sense, also their parents pockets. Exactly. Um, So it's, you know, something that I know you hold dear. Yeah, it's gross. So the next piece is create a player needs an overhaul, uh, the ability to better shape players' heads. You know, for example, look at games like WWE 2K and AO International Tennis. Both of those have absolutely amazing um, create-a-player customization ability where you can make the players look like their real-life counterparts if you're trying to like make a classic player who's not in the game or whatnot or trying to fill out a, um, you know, a draft class and whatnot. I think the, the players in NBA 2K23 look super created using in that, that, in that in-game create-a-player feature. They all have the same looking eyes for the most part. They don't look as good in-game as they do in the create-a-player screen. I think that there needs to be more um, attention to detail related to head styles, head shaping, um, you know, just being able to morph the face better and and whatnot. And I think you notice that as well. Absolutely. Before we get too far away from it, I do want to mention a couple other things with my team. The, the broken economy thanks to the, the empty sales. And I know this is something that happens off-site and not under 2K's jurisdiction, but the fact that they haven't addressed that, the fact that you've got people spending millions of MT in the auction house, uh, which they've bought, compared to people who are just doing it legit and getting very little MT, it's just completely ruined that economy. You've got a 10% uh, sales fee, a transaction fee, that uh, is absolutely useless. It's meant, It's supposedly meant to somehow balance the economy that's the argument that i've heard but it just uh makes things worse especially for people for people who are doing it the right way doing the right thing all above board and uh yeah so so that's a bit disappointing there and the other thing that also applies to my nba eras as well is how segmented some of the content is you recall how we were able to play with my nba eras rosters uh very briefly due to a, a glitch that they very quickly patched while taking their time to fix other VC issues, mind you. The fact that those those rosters can only be played 
in my NBA eras. And I know people say, well, that's the point. And I say, yes, I get that. I disagree with it. I think it'd be great to be, at least be able to play exhibition games with that, as, as we could very briefly when that uh, <laughs> debug function was accidentally made available. Uh, there's a lot of players that are only available there or only available in my team. And again, I know people will say that is the point. And I, so, so I say, I disagree with that approach. I disagree with <laughs> them doing it that way. Uh, I, I think that there's so much content, as much as depth as there is, some of it's still segmented, and I'd love to have that available more freely and across the board. Yeah, you got people pumped up when you showed the bug. You made that video, that YouTube video showing that you know you were able to use my NBA errors rosters in Play Now. Spent hours on it, and, and, and then within hours they, they yeah. patched it out. Yeah. Oh, I, yeah, it was too bad. Little, little sore about that. Little sore. <laughs> yeah. So let's move on to the graphics here. So. Um, graphics pros this is going to be a much shorter segment and then we'll get to gameplay um graphics pros great lighting this year uh probably the not probably it is the best of the next gen 2ks i think the game just looks absolutely awesome whether you're using the regular teams or the classic teams do i think it looks as good as nba 2k14 lighting wise you know reflections wise jersey movement wise and why not no i don't i don't think and i think you would agree um but at the same time i've never been like a super graphic snob and i think that the game definitely can shine and i think it looks you know it's good enough for me let's put it that way i think it's it, i think it, it it can shine you know when something looks good it looks really good when when it happens on the floor and whatnot you, um, you're, uh, and- you're not calling this ps2 graphics no one's calling this PS2 no. graphics. And I being taken, people and, say stuff like I mean, that. I, I do too, yeah. Yes. Even for NBA Live, the past generation, it's not. Compare it side by side. It's Hyperbole does not work here, yeah. yeah. But it is absolutely fair to say that a PS4 game can look better than a PS5 game. I just want to point that out because this isn't a big jump and it sometimes feels like not a jump at all in many aspects from PS4 to PS5. Um, I think that there's a lot of aspects of the graphics on NBA 2K14 that look better than ps5 nba 2k 23 we can see um, we can see regression within it within the same uh, generation absolutely uh, re- referring to the wwe games there's a very infamous booker t uh screenshot going around that shows how he pretty much looks like a creator wrestler compared to faces that he had a couple of years earlier it, it was really bad so it can happen on the on the same generation and, and again we've seen some of the faces in 2k as well and they've been replaced right. by better ones but yeah right. it, but it there's happen. a huge difference between that there's a huge difference between that and saying listen wcw versus nwo world tour for n64 looks better than wwe 2k 23 like no yeah <laughs> no, it no, no, it doesn't. Um, not in any way, shape, or form. Um, oh, those, cyber those, those figures, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I sorry, I I love that. that oh, it holds. It, it is fun. It's, yeah, it is fun. It's my favorite one of all time. Cyberface improvements across the board. Um, Razor has been posting a ton that he's done on Twitter. Um, he has done incredible work on you know creating super realistic cyber faces for the my nba eras rosters and you know for the classic players in general so i want to give a shout out to razor he's done a great job um there were many new cyber faces added um, many cyber faces were uh, improved and uh, i think that his name is scott rochelle who works for the retired players association i also want to give him a shout out because i don't think that you know from everything i'm gathering um this my NBA era stuff, this outreach to get all of these new players in the game and everything, and to kind of get that ball rolling, probably wouldn't have wouldn't have happened without him. Yes, um, 
so give him i wanted wanted to give him a shout out you can follow him on twitter he posts quite a bit actually um i also like the instant replay photo filter i think you would agree Mm. it's a really nice touch people have been able to use it for thumbnails on youtube it can really um really show like breathtaking photo realistic footage of something that's happened on the court whether you're like and of course it's only for still shots right yeah. But like if I fly in with Michael Jordan and I'm about to posterize Patrick Ewing, I can capture that moment with that photo filter. And sometimes it looks very, very close to real life. It just looks absolutely amazing. Um, I haven't used it as much lately, uh, but I was using it quite a bit when I first got the game. And of course, the the irrepresentation is just incredible. I, I will say that I, I've noticed a few more people playing with it off because some of the uh, that, that more pixelated that lower res uh, effect, while while impressive, is some, not not always as fun to play on in those early eras. And I, I found myself turning it off, if if only to capture better highlights. But it is great that it's in the game, and it is so authentic that the presentation as well. Yeah, one hundred percent. Graphics cons. Um, players still often lack the muscle they have in real life. Giving the players, my brothers and I call it the Gumby effect. I was going to say, where, yeah. Yeah. yeah, where the players just kind of, you know, they don't look like human beings and whatnot. Um, there's been a lot better body models in past 2Ks, like on PS4 gen and whatnot, where the players actually look like athletes. And you could see that muscle. Uh, jerseys look like they're stuck to the players. Um, 2K14 and a couple other 2Ks from the PS4 gen, and actually um, several from the PS3 gen, had better and more realistic jersey movement. And the textures, the jersey textures on 2K23 Next Gen pale in comparison to um, several of the past 2K titles like NBA 2K14. You know, you share a lot of footage of NBA 2K14, of, you know, whether it be like just from the gameplay standpoint, from the broadcast view or from the 2K view when you're playing my career. And also gameplay, you know, in that gameplay is the close-ups, like the highlights, the, the instant replays and whatnot. And that jersey movement and those jersey textures are the best in the series. It looks unbelievably awesome. And it's not even close to as good in NBA 2K23. And that, that is surprising. You know, it, the whole thing is it's, it's next-gen, right? And, you know, next-gen is more than sweat effects. Yeah, yeah, I know that, that that's a good way to show off the game though during preview season. Season right? <laughs> sure is, yeah. Sweaty players, uh, yeah, right. Um, so before I get into like the gameplay pros and cons, did you have anything to add from a depth or graphics perspective? No, I, I think I've covered pretty much everything. I think we're pretty much in agreement as well with uh, with what you brought up. Perfect. Um, so gameplay pros. Uh, the AI ability has improved on both offense and defense over 2K21 and 2K22. Players play more like their real-life counterparts. I used the example of Chris Paul on the last episode um, on the on the last episode of the podcast. When you play against Chris Paul, not only are his signatures awesome, like the way they have him his shooting motion it looks exactly like chris paul but you got a game plan for chris paul because he's going to play like he does in real life he's going to be shooting from the shots that he shoots from um you know when he's playing in real games um he's going to attack the basket the same way he's going to be a good floor general etc so i think that the ai ability is the best it's been on next gen i've noticed that as well no it, it's very strong on the sticks and the uh, and and having the, those opponents play as they as they do in real life as you said 
when the ratings and tendencies are accurate, obviously that that certainly helps. But uh, but also the the aggressiveness as well. You know, you you go back to older games you and I've been playing for years, obviously, and there are some games where the CPU is is just not aggressive enough and once you just start putting the screws to them you can just blow them out very easily even on higher difficulty levels whereas the ai will bring it in 2k23 and it's that that aggressiveness is important right unless you close out on them effectively and then they'll just miss every shot but we'll get into that that, the cons yeah. (laughs) yeah so um breaking your man down on the perimeter feels more rewarding there's not as many easy blow buys in NBA 2K23 as there was in 2K22. Um, stringing together dribbles is very rewarding. You have to work for it more in that game, you know, by finding and utilizing angles, you know, putting together the right combinations with the right stick, you know, um, effectively putting together a realistic crossover, etc. It just feels more like real life basketball when it comes to breaking your man down on the perimeter. Post game has improved slightly over 2k21 and 2k22 because there's a little bit less suction um i love the fact that you can dominate with bigger players who should be dominant so if you have a mismatch and let's say i am using like magic johnson and i have isaiah thomas on me like i'm playing like a classic season or something like that um the ability to dominate isaiah thomas down low with six nine magic johnson feels right and it feels good in that game if there's a mismatch where i'm using Shaq and a guard or a small forward comes out on me or i just have a strength advantage over the center they have in at that time i can back him way down into the paint right under the basket and i can stuff it in his face right so um i like those touches and i do find some enjoyment in the post game this year how do you feel about the adrenaline boosts? Because the latest patch has made a, an interesting change, and I think a good one, that it no longer drains a boost when you're moving off ball. It's only when you're making the, the dribbling moves. And, and I think that's vital as well. I, I think they made a good I've move. I've never there. even noticed it. i got to be honest with you. There were people, there was a bunch of people worried about it um, on release, and they were thinking that it was going to super limit them, you know, moving off the ball or like, stringing together dribbles and whatnot my brother and i haven't even noticed the adrenaline stuff i think that's the, the, that's playing. the that's the mark of, of a great feature i think when it just kind of works in the background right it blends in yeah right it blends into the overall gameplay experience right so that hasn't hurt us at all i don't care if they keep it if they, if they remove it or anything like that it's just been fine stealing and blocking system is overall rewarding and fun at times you know poke steals snatch blocks etc i think that part of putting the fun back in to the nba 2k series like mike wong alluded to in one of the gameplay blogs um was bringing back fun defensive mechanics you know you you've talked about it on past podcasts one of the biggest weaknesses um on defense and so, you know, since they switched over to the new motion system in 2K18 was the feeling of you push the steal button to foul. It was like push the button and you'll foul no matter what. So it discouraged you from ever wanting to try to go for a steal and whatnot. But with the way stealing works now in NBA 2K in the series, it's specifically in NBA 2K23, you can get those rewarding poke steals like you did back in like NBA Live 2005. You can jump the passing lanes realistically. You, you can double the big man in the post and, you know, you know, off ball and just quickly, you know, snatch the ball out of its hands and run down the other way. I think overall that defense is fun, intuitive, and it, it, it's rewarding. I, I still feel like there's a bit of press steal to foul there. Uh, 
not but, as much. Yeah, not yeah, it, it has been toned down. The, the downside is, of course, uh, on not to get into the cons too early, but the downside online is that a lot of people have found that they can just spam it and just run at you and spam it with a high steal rating and, uh, and swipe it way too easily. Right, so. but I think that's more related to badges. And yeah, I think yeah. it's more related to the ratings not working the way they should. It, as opposed that, that to is the on, mechanic itself being yeah. broken. No, that's, that's right. It's, I yeah. think it's online balance, right? That, that is true. But no, playing, being able to play defense is so important. As we've said before, a staple of all bad games is the inability to defend. Basically turning it into a shootout and whoever misses the most uh, loses. And, I mean, that kind of makes sense. That, that is a, a boss, an aspect of basketball. That if you make more shots than your opponent, you're going to win. You know, state, to state the obvious uh, analysis of basketball. But it, it is the only the only way of playing defense is to hope they miss. And that's that's the staple of all bad games, and uh, 2K23 absolutely avoids that. So yeah, that that is uh, that's good, obviously. Agreed. Uh, getting the board and running is incredibly rewarding and fun. And they also removed the dribble hesitation glitch that was in NBA 2K22. I hardly ever see it anymore. It's the one that would happen where you would start trying to run up the court and the game would force you to slow down and do a hesitation for no reason, which allowed the defense to catch up. There's also less suction when you're going up for a layup on the fast break where you're not being dragged backwards into the defender. And I think that fast breaks are a lot more rewarding this year. The outlet passing is snappy. The given the passing is reactive. So given goes work great. The alley-oop meter has been fixed overall. It's a lot more forgiving, rewarding, and it makes sense. It feels more like a real event as opposed to a quick time event. So getting the board, rebounding's always been a great thing in NBA 2K. Let's be honest. It's, all, they've, it's always been good. Um, those mechanics have always been there and strong. Fast breaks are so fun in NBA 2K23. I appreciate any rebounding system where I can actually jump and get the ball and not just have to run over it. Yeah, exactly. NBA Live 2002, anybody? Yeah, yeah, just just putting that out there. Yeah, um, I'm not as big a fan of the Elliott meter as uh, you and your brother are. Uh, I'm still a bit, uh, not not even lukewarm t- uh, towards it, I'm still a bit cold towards it, to be completely honest. But I do see how it has been improved, and uh, it's just something I need to get better at. Yeah, it's great for co-op. Yeah, The way yeah. it works this year, it's great for co-op because it makes the other person truly feel part of the play. Uh, and like I said, it just works a lot better this year. They've done a great job in fine-tuning it and making it so there wasn't this super long, ungodly amount of time that you'd have to hold down the button and you, you know, you have to release it at the exact same time to you know, complete the dunk. I think it just works really well. The right joystick control on dunks overall makes sense, and you can finish in so many ways at the hoop, whether you're trying to finish on the right side of the rim, left side of the rim, do a reverse layup and whatnot. Like I think it, the right stick control overall on dunks feels very similar to like NBA 2K17, so I enjoy that. Quick plays work amazing. Players move to their spots fast and with a purpose. Examples include like if you run cut to basket and the paint is open, you can throw alley-oops off of that or find your cutter pretty easily passing is snappy so you can get in the ball um the receive screen play is absolutely amazing to send somebody to the corner to get a wide open three um or like just to have them run off a screen in general to come to the ball they'll get a wide open shot very important to get wide open shots in nba 2k23 because contested shots will hardly ever go in so play calling is a very 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 strong feature of nba 2k23 you mentioned the controls there. One of my pet peeves, uh, about a generation ago, I'd say a couple of generations probably, 
is the constant changing to the controls. And I know they had to find their way, they had to find what worked, but now I think they've arrived at a, a, a configuration, a format, a style that does work very well. Uh, moving forward, I'd like to see them make very minimal changes to, to dribbling. I, I do like the feel of dribbling. If I, if the only real pet peeve I, I have with it now is that I, I prefer hitting uh, down or back on the uh, on the right stick to perform behind the back, whereas now it's a more uh, contrived move and uh, and using sprint plus back or away to uh, do a step back. Uh, I like that a little bit better than the current system. Uh, that would be the only change I would recommend or, or advocate for, or certainly having a couple of options there maybe uh, to be able to switch between uh, some dri- a couple of different dribbling control configurations would be nice, kind of like camera relative and uh, absolute control if there were a couple of options there. But apart from that, I really like the feel of the controls and the, and the way, the approach, the configuration of the controls, and the fact that they've been so consistent with it is also a huge plus. Yeah, I have a couple cons related to the dribbling, but overall dribbling feels good this year. Uh, momentum dribbles was a nice touch. It's a nice option to have. I actually show a highlight in my most recent my team game where i use a momentum dribble with kobe to get by my first man and then i cross i cross over on the next man and then i finish with a layup in traffic and i get a basket and foul and overall it felt really good um so that's definitely a nice option and a nice touch Passing is another pro. It's reactive and snappy, less floaty passes, less passes transferring to the opponent. Um, And then lastly, for pros gameplay-wise, this game produces some of the best highlights in the 2K series. The the dunks are loud. The fancy passes look great. The blocks can be dominating. Um, Being able to grab a steal, like I had stated, like a poke steal, get out on the break and do some fantastic dunk a loud dunk, you know, maybe an alley-oop, throw it it behind you to your teammate who's trailing the play and he'll finish with an awesome alley-oop. Like, overall, this game produces some of the best highlights ever in the 2K series or basketball video games in general. The lobs off the board, the contact dunks, uh, so well done. Yeah, no, I I love seeing the highlights that uh, the the community shares and, and, of course, creating them myself when I play the game. It's uh, no, it, very satisfying again, and that's going to go back to what I said earlier in the show, that those little moments, I mean, yes, it's important the game feels great moment to moment, but then when something big happens, when a highlight happens, that it looks spectacular, that it feels satisfying, that it almost brings you out of your seat, as I said, that's what games need to be, and 2K23 does, uh, does achieve that. 100%, I agree. And again, it makes people want to upload content, right? It makes you and I want to show off the game and maybe upload a video to Twitter or to YouTube and whatnot. And the company should want that. And maybe that's why they made the highlights better this year, because they know that people are going to want to show those off. It shows off the game, and therefore people are going to buy the game and whatnot or put more money into it. Now we're going to get to the gameplay cons. Uh, Removing the ability to just flick the joystick to initiate a size up that you can break out of, I think, was a mistake. I think that um, the... It was so fluid to have like one of the players real size ups, like their signature size up there or one that you assign to a player and, um, you know, allowing, you know, removing that from the game took away some of the authenticity. And I think it was Divey's 2K that pointed this out. Sure, you can string together dribbles um, to, you know, basically put together the size up for a specific player, but it's definitely a lot clunkier at times when you're doing it that way. So um, I wish that they had kept in the ability to 
flick the joystick to initiate like a full-blown size up uh but then also keep the other dribbling enhancements that they've made in the game no I, i'd agree with that uh still and th- those are the small adjustments i'd like to see them make moving forward i don't think we need to see any overhauls to the controls and the, and the basic schemes but just little quality of life improvements like that and uh I mean, it comes down to what the community prefers because sometimes our opinions are in the minority, you know, just to put it out there. But yeah, I would agree with that. And I think those small changes will just really tighten up uh, controls here and there. Right, which is funny, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll admit this fully. I have not seen one person other than Diabetes2K mention uh, that they missed having the, you know, traditional size-ups in there. Mm. So, like, I know that I'm in the minority. Um, skating, sliding. Uh, 2K23 is still suffering from issues that were caused by the new motion system that was implemented in 2K18. The the players are often skating or even floating above the court. This impacts control. It impacts outcomes. Um, it can absolutely, you know, alter enjoyment in the game. It can cause frustration. Um, this is a very big con. Um, it's it's the re it's the biggest reason why. NBA 2K23 doesn't stack up to so many games, in my opinion, in the old motion system, the 2K16s, the 2K17s, 15, 2K14, and whatnot, because it, it in player movement is such a big part of basketball. It's a huge aspect of gameplay related to basketball video gaming. Um, it's just so vital. It's something that, have, uh, it, you know, it, skating impacts your ability to change directions, to be able to stop on a dime, uh, you know, to put yourself in a proper defensive position and whatnot, it, there, and, and just so much more. So the skating and sliding that was introduced with 2K18 and is still in NBA 2K23 is still my biggest complaint. And I think it's it's really made it so from a gameplay perspective, I just can't get the same amount of enjoyment out of this game as I do like 2K17, 2K16 and whatnot. It's, it's legacy issues like that in general. And, and some of the psychic steals by the CPU that are still there to a certain extent. Uh, for me, as I said, I'm not still not the biggest fan of the alley-oop meter. Uh, there is still some of that press steal to foul. It is better, as you said. Kind of those legacy issues that haven't totally been cleaned up. But again, for me, it's it's a case of clean that up and it just makes such a big jump from a gameplay uh, standpoint. Uh, for me, it's a lot of, from what I've seen from playing online, is there's still a lot of balance with the consumables and augmentations like uh, like badges, for example, and, and so forth, and the boost that you can buy and, and the busy work you can do as far as the uh, doing the, the Gatorade workout every week to get the extra boosts and so forth, that if you don't completely uh, buy into the meta and everything and equip the right badges and so forth, it, it becomes very unbalanced. That is fortunately not an issue with NBA gameplay. So that's the that's the nice thing there. If you are sticking with that, you avoid that hornet's nest altogether. Um, and I would honestly recommend that, having play, <laughs> played my career for a, uh, here and there over the uh, past few months. But that is an, that is an issue with uh, online gameplay, that the balance isn't there. And that, that would be my biggest critique, uh, apart from what you've brought up. Yeah, and what do I stay stay away from, Andrew? Yeah, good decision. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, another gameplay con that's hurt the series since 2K18 is the suction. I still feel like there's a lot of this in 2K23, especially in the mid-range and in, in the post, uh, where you're consistently being sucked into two-man canned animations. Uh, this has hurt the mid-range and post games the most. Um, and I think that 
that's pretty obvious by the gameplay footage that you see uploaded by other users in the community and even some of my gameplay footage and and whatnot you don't have a lot of great mid-range highlights um as a result i I just feel like there's still a lot of suction and a lot of two-man and two-man canned animations and it hurts the gameplay the most inside the three-point line for comparison uh, you, you saw my 2K14 uh, retro series video, the 60s, uh, 65 Celtics versus 65 Lakers. When I you had some great highlights in there, yeah, some great highlights in there. Yeah. Thank you. No, no. When when I created that space and hit that uh, that jumper with uh, with a couple with a couple of players with with Sanders with uh, Siegfried, you know, you could you could get those mid range highlights as you say. Right, but you feel like you could you know get Bill Russell on the elbow or you know get John Havlicek on the elbow and face up your guy and make a great move to the hoop and not be sucked into like a ridiculous two man canned animation that just completely breaks the play. Absolutely. Right? You can see that. In, in that uh, and you can yeah. see that. Right. Yeah. And that's was another strong thing about 2K16 and 2K17. It didn't have that suction issue in the mid range or the post. There's another con uh, inability to hit contested shots, both from the CPU and also you as the user. Um, I think that the green or bust mechanics still feel like they're basically uh, take center stage in this game. I think that it really does hurt shooting. Um, I think that it's kind of crazy that anytime you're in the computer space, even when you're playing on Hall of Fame, that they're just going to miss almost 100% of the time if you put your hands up, no matter who the shooter is and whatnot and then you know from a user perspective um anytime you're closed out on on a shot um you feel like there's like a one percent chance you're going to hit that shot even when <laughs> i don't think shooting, that's yeah. the way that it should yeah. be you're right even if you time the shot right like even if you you know feel like you timed it right and whatnot so i think that inability to hit contested shots has definitely been a major issue especially since since the um you know, new motion system in 2K18, which they've, you know, kind of just been upgrading over the years since and and whatnot. This has been kind of a big issue in the game. It is. It's one, another one of those things I like to see cleaned up. And it, it's going to be tough because there's so many conflicting schools of thought in it. There's a whole mythological skill gap that they're going for and that gamers are always touting that uh, that we they need this uh, this skill gap, which is very hard to implement in a game that has so many canned animations. I, I don't think people really realize that that a lot of, that these semblances of skill gap are often overwritten by those canned moments, and of course the uh, augmentations of badges. Oh yeah, I mean that's another con from the gameplay perspective. Way too many badges, right? That are way overpowering, and they take away true skill gap. However, the last major gameplay con. And I think you've noticed this as well. And we talked about it on a prior show, the shooting, uh, there's no normal release option. Mike Wong came out and said that they implemented early, very early, late and very late shooting options early in the cycle. And that's what they worked on. And then they started to work on the normal release option last and they weren't able to implement it in time for the game's release. So you have a basketball video game where shooting is integral you know, you how, how many shots go up every basketball game? Between teams, Virtual yeah, hardware yeah, in real life, absolutely. between both. I mean, hell, 70 to 83s, Yeah, let's be honest, exactly, every single yeah. game. So shooting is a One huge part shots. of basketball. Yeah. And that should be something that should be worked on early and should be 
you know, flushed out, like any issues with it should be flushed out and it should be functional and ready to go at release. And it wasn't. So that's, you're stuck with, that's not good. No, <laughs> that's, not that, a, that's, that's an issue with 2K as well, that they bring in some ideas and they've got, they want to pack so much in. And I, I love that about 2K and that's very admirable. But the downside is that sometimes you get overambitious with feature creep and you do something like that and then you run out of time to properly implement it and you've got this kind of half-implemented, not-quite-ready system. Happened with 2K18, and you know our listeners will know how we feel about 2K18, and not that system, that tech, or that feature is not quite ready yet, and then the game suffers for it. Yeah, outside of protected shots, NBA 2K17, I think, is the best shooting they've ever had in the, ser- in the series. I agree. The yeah. way the shots feel, the way the animations play out, and whatnot. But I still thought that NBA 2K21 and NBA 2K22 had stronger shooting mechanics over NBA 2K23. So I think they regressed in that area, and I think one of the reasons could be because there was no um, normal timing, um, normal release option that was released you know, with the game. I'll, so, um, um, I'll admit that I haven't really loved shooting since probably 2K19, 2K20. I couldn't stand the shooting in 2K19 because it feels so rushed. Right. Like the shots just feel, the animations are so rushed. I haven't truly enjoyed shooting since, since 2K, 2K17, 2K17 probably. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah I mean, 2K, no, 2K21 and 2K22 next gen, it didn't feel too bad. Um, but so, 2K17 was, yeah. is just... I wasn't a fan, so... We do different. Yeah, that's a high, that's yeah. a that's a really high bar. Two K seventeen. It was yeah, really good. It really, it really um, is. Yeah. Yeah. So because of the gameplay issues that I mentioned, and they're they're so impactful. Things like skating, sliding. That's player movement, right? Suction that impacts like the gameplay in such a big way inside the three point line and with closeouts and whatnot. The inability to hit contested shots, like that really small window, and then like that shooting issue. Those are all huge aspects of basketball so because of the gameplay issues that i mentioned and how so many of them you know impact control you know we're talking about rankings and where this stands all time in the series i can't rank this game above many of the ps4 2ks you know before they switched over to next gen so like i don't rank this game from a gameplay perspective above NBA 2K14, 15, 16, or 17. I can't rank it above those. I do rank it higher than 2K18, 2K20, 2K21, and 2K22. So not the worst game in the series, but it's not the best. Um, Some of the PS3 Gen 2Ks can actually be more fun than NBA 2K23. Why? Because the foot planning is a lot better. There is less suction in those games like if i go back and play nba 2k 13 oftentimes i can have more enjoyment playing that game because it doesn't have those suction issues it doesn't have those skating issues and whatnot the shooting feels better in that game those are major aspects of basketball andrew they're very important they're happening all the time on the floor so um i'll say uh, i'll rank it this way it's the best next gen 2k yet like it's better than 2k 21 better than 2k 22 And it's better than a few of the PS4 2Ks, but it doesn't beat, say, you know, NBA 2K13, 2K14, 2K15, 16, or 17 in my eyes from a gameplay perspective. Depth-wise, it does. Depth, it's the best in sports gaming history. I'd agree, In my opinion, but gameplay is so important. It's so vital. It's why we play, right? 
for that on-court action. Um, and it's not the best in the series. Yeah, I mean, I've seen some people say it's the best, and I, I respect that opinion. Uh, personally, for my, my enjoyment and, and evaluating all of the pros and cons that we've been discussing, I, I'm in a similar boat. I, I was trying to think, what what would I rank ahead of it? Where would I rank it, like in a top five or top ten or whatever? I, I think potentially when you look at some of the positives of the gameplay, the depth, etc., it has an argument to be top five, top ten at the least. But when you start to look at some of those cons, it does bring it down a little bit. I could name start naming games that I would rank ahead of it as far as enjoyment and overall quality, uh, if not depth, obviously. Uh, and you, it comes down to titles that you mentioned, 2K14, 15, 16, 17. Uh, 2K11, 12, and 13 are very strong releases as well and hold up very well. I also saw, saw another Reddit comment, stop, or might have been on Twitter, stop living in nostalgia, stop just being nostalgic. It's not just nostalgia. Those games hold up. They were quality releases. You also have to factor in the, the lack of goodwill, the microtransactions, how pushy they are, because that does impact the experience. And with all that being said, I, I would I would say it's a it's easily the best on the current generation or next gen, whatever you want to say, the PS5, Xbox Series X. It impressed me far more than 2K21 and 2K22 did, and, uh, and, and has been so much more fun to play. It is easily the best of that generation, and it is also setting up the future quite positively as well, which I really... Uh, feel good about as far as all time i mean I, I would say that there's an argument for it to be somewhere in the top 10 maybe in the lower five because of the the drawbacks the cons with the gameplay and some of the modes and look you, you, i just can't overlook people want to overlook pushiness of, of uh, microtransactions and all of that stuff it's part of the experience it's integral to the experience how that affects the the gameplay and your overall enjoyment and uh, and and the fairness to the gamer. So that does those are. I mean they're... that uh, I mean that impacts people big time. Exactly right. People you that depend on those uh... modes. Right, you can't ignore it because it it does impact the gameplay. Any review, it, it absolutely yeah. affects it. Any review that says I'm not going to talk about microtransactions or their impact, that is a useless review. I have no respect for that review of 2K whatsoever. That if anyone who says that, because the as I said, the the whole journey in my career how fun it is depends on the pushiness of the recurrent revenue mechanics and that is what causes that problem at the beginning of my career and and the fairness to the gamer so it absolutely has to factor in i don't respect any review that uh intentionally omits that i mean you don't need to spend paragraphs on it but you need to acknowledge its impact and with that being said i, I would probably say 2k23 has an argument to be top 10 in the series all time i, I do feel very strongly about it uh, I, I'm not so sure about top five though because there's too many drawbacks, uh, both in the mechanics not being quite as good as previous games in certain aspects, or the, uh, or, or of course the microtransactions. But the depth and and the general quality of the gameplay does rank it very high. So I, I do think it's uh, it's up there. It, I'm not going to say it's the best. It's not my favorite, but it's a damn good game. The gameplay issues that I mentioned make it so. <laughs> The game can be really fun when you're messing around. Like, co-op with my brother, you're playing Legends in my NBA, where we have stat goals. We know we're going to blow out the computer. We're playing on Hall of Fame, but we, uh, we're, we're stacked. Like, our team is stacked. So, you know, we have stat goals, and we want to make great highlights and, you know, hit on as many stat goals as we can. So we're just kind of – it's almost like a fun, loose experience. It's not super competitive. My team, I'm playing Domination. There's only three difficulty levels, Semi-Pro, Pro, and All-Star during the Domination uh, challenges. And 
my team is stacked. So, you know, I go into those um, loose, trying to make great highlights, uh, trying to get the players that I want. And it's just this loose experience. So they get those gameplay issues that I mentioned don't show their face as much. It doesn't hurt as much. The moment you try to get competitive with NBA 2K23, like if you're playing like local head to head or like you had stated online, you're going to be trying to be competitive and, you know, you're trying to win and all of this stuff. And, you know, your opponent is using either like a regular NBA team or a classic team or they're using juiced up my players and all of that stuff. That's when all of those gameplay issues really show their face. And it's I don't think that NBA 2K23 is great for competitive, realistic play. Really. Yeah, I think it's scene, I think yeah. it's right. Well, not just the online scenes. It's like my brother and I can't even play it seriously head to head locally. Like we can't do it because the skating and the suction and all of those gameplay issues that I mentioned um, that, you know, the shooting, all of that stuff, it rears its head and it ends up being this huge issue when you're trying to be competitive with somebody else. Like the, the gameplay isn't good for competitive play in my opinion. And I think that's where if they were able to, if you want solution based, like what I think would fix it is you make the foot planning better. You loosen up that mid range game. You like, you remove some of that suction and you fix the shooting. If you can fix those three issues, and I don't know who's going to be listening to this podcast, but this is my recommendation. If you focus on fixing those three issues for NBA 2k 24, I think that you could possibly hit a home run and that game can truly compete in it from a gameplay perspective to some of the games on the old motion system. So lightning round NBA 2K23 in a nutshell, what are the biggest strengths and weaknesses for you? Uh, Strengths being able to make great highlights, um, the unbelievable depth like there's something for both my brother and I to sink our teeth into. We're, we're both into my NBA. I'm playing my team because of all the depth. Um, there's something for us to play, right? We've gotten our money's worth as a result. I think that the game pops from a visual perspective overall. I think the graphics are great. Uh, I think that the gameplay depth is very important. You know, I know, I know it sounds silly, but you know, just the ability to, do a double crossover to be able to conduct a spin move, um, you know, one way or the other, the, to, to jump stop into a jam, to, uh, you know, spin into a jam, to um, back your guy way down into the paint and then just throw it down on him. So like dominate a mismatch, uh, you know, to be able to have some of the authenticity in there, to be able to, you know, utilize Kareem's real hook shot, to be able to go in and do a dunk with Jordan where it looks just like Jordan, to be able to posterize somebody with Clyde Drexler. And it looks like the dunk that he did on Bill Cartwright in the 1992 finals. Um, those are major strengths. And it's the type of stuff that keeps me on the game. You know, the no contracts in in my team, the fact that that mode is so deep and it allows me to play domination and sink, you know, by the end of it, hundreds of hours into that mode and whatnot. So I think that the biggest strengths is all of that content for offline players, the great highlights and some of the authenticity aspects, something for everybody. Weaknesses, it's mostly the gameplay. It's just those three big pieces um it's the skating and you know it's it's the suction and it's the shooting if they could iron out those three big issues 
and they could improve on those for NBA 2K24. I'll even spend more time on the game, and you'll see even more highlights from the game, and I'll even promote it more. Um, but really, the weaknesses come down to those gameplay aspects and then the rushed, often rushed, classic team content, classic player content. I think we're going to cover much of the same ground. Uh, for me, the strengths are obviously the depth, the variety. Even within the modes themselves, there's so much to sink your teeth into, and you can avoid things that you that you don't like. Uh, the, the gameplay is generally enjoyable, very solid across the board. A lot of the improvements are kind of, for me, more minor tweaks that you could make and still have a, a great uh, improvement uh, in NBA 2K24. The, uh, my team has made some great moves as far as removing the contracts, as you said, such a big deal. The Jordan Challenge, the focus on offline content, the innovation with my NBA eras, the presentation, definitely strengths across the board. It is a, it is a fun game at the end of the day. Biggest weaknesses, it is the worst my career mode, easily. The online scene is still very toxic and, from a gameplay uh, perspective, very unbalanced. There are legacy issues there, unfortunately. There is a lack of attention to detail in the rosters that really needs to be there. And yes, some of the gameplay aspects, as you said, are annoying. But, it, yeah, it is a very enjoyable game. It is the, the best in a, in a few years, to say the very least, uh, the best on this generation. I know there's only been three games on this generation, but it is you want it to get better every year, and it has uh, improved upon its predecessors. I think you can make an argument that it is a uh, a top 10, top 15 game in the series, at the very least. Some people are calling it their favorite and the best game in the series. I do see their argument. And I think and good for them. I yeah, want them to love it. Absolutely. That's and the I, thing that people don't understand. Is Andrew and I, yeah. yeah, yeah. Andrew and I want to see those positive comments. We want people to enjoy the Jordan Challenge, my NBA errors. We want people to enjoy online play. And I want to make, make a point because I didn't mention it under weaknesses. Obviously, a huge weakness is the gambling mechanics. Yes. Is the uh, price of things to upgrade your player and the kind of the pay to win stuff. So I, I do not want to discount that. That is such a big issue it's one of the biggest issues and, and, and yeah thank you for bringing that up because i i was um yeah i, I was gonna i almost forgot to mention that the lack of goodwill that is a, a recurring issue recurrent revenue recurring problems uh, if you if you will um there's a title for an, an article derek um but yeah the lack of goodwill uh also th doing things like being very quick to fix problems that, that affect them even things that don't really affect their bottom line like uh, like patching the the debug menu that allowed us to play with my nba era rosters out in uh, exhibition in, in play now that being very quick to fix that while dragging their feet on fixing vc issues they've only just fixed the issue with uh, the daily pick'em, which of course is how you get some extra vc they, that uh, month into the season that, that's how long it took them to fix that so that is, that is a problem I also want to mention right, the broadcast camera bug is still there too for yeah. series. Hats. I, I need to, like I need, the, I need to check the, uh, the, my career animations bug. Cause that was supposed to be fixed in patch 2.0 and it wasn't. So it might be patch 3.0. I will follow up on that next week. I know this is our final review kind of thing, but I, I will follow up on that issue just to, uh, after I fire it up again. Oh, I need to bring up one more thing really quick. Just so if, in case we have any listeners here that, you know, is like a decision maker, give us the ability to remove that damn dunk meter. Yeah. Like, yeah. Instead of um, having to turn off all gameplay indicators in order to remove it, it's something that, you know, I understand why it would always have to be present if maybe you're playing online and whatnot. But for offline gamers, there should be an option for us to turn the dunk meter off. It not We don't even have to have the ability to turn the functionality off, which I think would be also another nice step to be able to turn off the timing aspect of it. But, you know, my brother and I are used to it now. But the visual 
like give us an option to turn off the dunk meter. And I know we're focused on the the next gen version mostly this uh, in this review, Derek. But the current gen version, what I like about that, it does have very similar strengths and weaknesses. Um, it, it doesn't have all of the features of next gen, but they they really put uh, time and attention into the current gen version, the PC version, uh, and it's uh, it's worthwhile as well. Yeah, the reason why I didn't kind of like separate them in the review is because they've brought so many of the gameplay aspects and feature aspects from next gen over to current gen. That was refreshing. With the yeah. exception, obviously, of like my NBA errors. But like the dribbling on next gen and current gen is so similar. So much of the gameplay is similar, including the shooting and, and whatnot. So I think that the reviews that we gave it, oftentimes are just going hand in hand for both current gen and next year that's true so that's our pretty much final review of nba 2k23 i'm sure there are going to be issues we touch on moving forward i will circle back to that uh my career animations issue next week i'll make a point of uh, researching that we do want to finish up with some comments from the community uh the live king steven steve from the dot says might be the best next gen version of the game after this last patch knowledge bone says thieves i tell you but the gameplay is pretty awesome and modes are really decent Chuck at ChuckLA92 says it's on my list for three games to play on a desert island. So yeah, a lo- lots of positivity around 2K23, which uh, which is honestly what we want to see. We-, we want to critique the game, Derek, when there are problems, but we want to enjoy these games, and we have been, and people are enjoying 2K23 as well, so that- that's re- that's been nice to see this year. Nice to uh, see Chuck LA enjoying the game. He, uh, he's been posting a lot of highlights of Kobe and Shaq. I know he loves his Lakers. I mean, it's in his name and whatnot but you know he's been spent submitting a lot of highlights from nba 2k23 into for the nlsc top 10 plays of the week and you know i love i love that people are getting some enjoyment out of it and shout out to chris manning of course ld2k uh, uh replied saying he always loves his converse and if you have tuned in uh chris uh yeah i hope you enjoyed the show yeah and i also want to point something out um and chris may want to hear this a lot of what Andrew and I are talking about related to some of the unfair mechanics, especially like online, we know that that's the suits. Yeah. I just want to point that out. Um, we're not jumping, you know, down the throat of the developers. We're not like, you know, yelling at the developers, the people that are, you know, implementing the art and like gameplay and all of that stuff. Really what it comes down to is we know that those decisions related to microtransactions mostly come from the suits and um this is something that you know it doesn't matter to a gamer where it comes from it's the fact that it's unfair to them right so (laughs) that's why there's a lot of um people who you know they'll like get mad at desire or they'll get mad at chris manning or they'll get mad at somebody else um that they know that works for 2k but those people oftentimes are not the people that are making these decisions Exactly. Yeah, it, it's coming from above, and it is un- an unfortunate part of gaming. But uh, maybe we can tailor our suggestions to try and make, to try and get the the fairest of both worlds. You know, we we, we have to uh, we have to. Well, look we got to yeah. talk about it. See, yeah. that's the thing is we got to talk about it. It's not hating; it's a real issue. Exactly. And you know, we're consumers, and we have a right to critique. Definitely. But I think uh, if if there's one takeaway from the show, Derek, our opinion of NBA Two K Twenty Three pretty positive for the most part, and I think that they can really build upon that for Two K Twenty Four. It could be worse, and I'll tell you what, I, I do have high hopes for 2K24, so I'm actually looking forward to the next release, and that's a plus. Because after 2K18, I was like, oh no. But hey, hey Andrew, why don't we get into some uh, retro content, which I know so many of our listeners love. Yes, from uh, NBA 2K23 to NBA Live 2003, 
it's time to open up the mailbag. To the mailman. So I asked the community to name the top four highest dunk rated players in NBA Live 2003. So number one is 99, two is 99, three is 99, four is 98. And the bonus uh, question was, can you also name the dunk rating for Michael Jordan, the Wizards version in NBA Live 2003? And the way I was looking at it is if they could get it within five of his real rating, so like, you know, five either way, then I would give them credit. So we'll see if anybody got that. So I didn't look at the ratings, so I can play again. I'll, I'll throw out my guesses there first. Uh, if I can ask for a hint, does this include, is this just current players or does this also include historical players in Live 2003? Only current players. Only current players. Okay. I'm going to say that the 99s are Vince Carter, Shaq, and Kobe, and the 98 is Tracy McGrady. Got a couple of them. So Shaq is 99 on dunk. Vince Carter, Jason Richardson. Ah, and yes. Then, and then Kobe is the 98. Jason that, Richardson makes sense. He had just com- won the dunk Completely contest. forgot about Jay Rich, yeah. Yeah, no, that, that definitely makes sense. Uh, so Wizards Jordan, man, I'm trying to, I'm trying to remember. Uh, 78? 55. 55, yes. So yeah. this actually makes sense because... Not as in, like, I think it should be higher. I mean, they have Deshaun Stevenson at 97. Yeah. Sorry, but I've never thought Deshaun Stevenson he, he was, was in a dunk contest. Yeah, <laughs> he yeah in- but he's never been a great dunker. No. Um, but anyway, so, like, remember we played that NBA Live 2003 game? We um, used the all-star teams. And remember, it took you until the last couple seconds of the game to get a dunk with Jordan. And it was the most basic dunk in the game. Yes. Um, I knew from that game even without looking at the rating that his dunk rating would have was going to be really low he, he does uh, have a dunk package that's only got a couple of dunks in it so so combined with the low rating and that dunk package it definitely makes sense yeah yeah right and he didn't dunk a lot as a wizard at so it point, actually no. works out right you know so for a game that's probably the most arcade in nba lives history nba live 2003 it is the most arcade leaning game um, just ridiculously fast-paced action where you can't adjust the speed and players throwing it down from all over the court and everything. They somehow made it possible to make Jordan kind of realistic in the amount that he <laughs> a throws natural, it. A natural sim aspect of Live 2003, yeah. Right. Is, yeah, is Wizards Jordan dunk. Um, I don't think anybody was close to guessing that in, in the responses. No, I, I do remember changing his dunk package in the, in the rosters because I felt he should dunk a little bit more. Because he did make a few dunks in uh, his final seasons with the uh, with Wizards there, but uh, yeah, the one in the All Star game, the one in the All Star game where he throws it down on Duncan mm. off the baseline, that was Jordan esque. Yeah, that and, was fantastic. And he did a standing dunk in his uh, final game against the Seventy Sixers as well. So I mean, he definitely could still get up. But uh, yeah, that's uh, fifty fifty five. That's probably the lowest dunk rating that he's had in a game. Oh, by far. Um, so here's some other notables, though, really quick, uh, before we get to the community's responses. Stromile Swift, 97. Morning, 97. Darvin Ham, 94. Kevin Garnett, 97. Kenyon Martin, 93. Baron Davis, 94. Tracy McGrady, 97. That's, so that was a good guess. Sean Marion, 93. Rashid Wallace, 97. That's too high. Gerald Wallace, 97. Chris Webber, 97. Duncan, 97. 
Desmond Mason, 97, well-deserved. How about that under the leg dunk in the con- in the dunk contest in real life with Des- Desmond Mason? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Again, like I stated, Deshaun Stevenson, 97. Darius Miles, 97. Michael Finley, 94. Jerry Stackhouse, 97. Steve Francis, 97. Um, and Jonathan Bender, 93. So getting to the community's responses now, uh, Roger Ward, one of the NBA Live 2001 legends, of course, guest Shaq, KG, Duncan, Iverson, and uh, Jordan at 90. And I do believe that uh, the uh, 90s, 90s All-Stars Jordan is 99 as well, I believe. But uh, Iverson, that was kind of out of left field, but uh, but no. Maybe Roger's been playing NBA shootout because Mike Bibby, Bobby Jackson, and all these like guards, little guards, uh, can throw it down um maybe that's why i made that guess no iverson i didn't check his rating but he's nowhere near that um he did have some pretty big dunks early though early on in his career you know like that tip dunk he had um, yes i think what was it his rookie year climbing up over the defense and throwing it down one-handed um he definitely could still throw it down as a nugget as well in like 06 07 and 07 08 there's some footage of him throwing it down there so it's not that he couldn't but um he, i don't think he was anywhere near the top with the dunk rating. The other NBA Live 2001 legend, of course, Nate Starshow, uh, Shaq 99, Duncan 99, Garnett 99, and T-Mac 98. So we also thought, as I did, T-Mac and uh, Jordan Dunk 85. Yeah, and Duncan was a good guest too in there because his uh, dunk rating is 97, so he was very, very close. Um, I, I had a feeling the Wizards Jordan guesses would be a lot higher than what you know his dunk rating actually is in the game. Next up is Cortez at Hayo Court. Number one, Vince Carter. Number two, Tracy McGrady. Three, Steve Francis. Four, Kobe Bryant. And a Jordan rating of 80. So once again, similar guesses there. And, and very close on on, uh, on Steve Francis and Tracy McGrady, of course. You can't knock anybody for guessing Steve Francis and T-Mac because if I hadn't looked at it, I would have probably considered them for the top four. And finally, we have Brett Cox at B underscore dog underscore 78. Guesses, Kenyon Martin, Vince Carter, Stromal Swift, and Jay Rich and Wizards Jordan uh, 75 dunk rating. And yeah, once again, I, I can't believe I overlooked uh, Jason Richardson because, uh, yeah, defending uh, dunk uh, contest champion. I also feel like somebody knows their basketball history if they're guessing Straw Miles Swift, right? Because he wasn't a star. Uh, and I love it when people, you know, mention players like Straw Miles Swift, whether it's like a guess or like they're just talking about basketball history and they bring him up and everything because he wasn't a superstar. He wasn't a star, but he was an excellent dunker. He was a power dunker and he's really fun to use in video games. No, that's true. I, I always enjoyed his uh, seeing him show up in the top 10 uh, and the, the top 10 countdown and NBA action and so forth. And you're right. It's a sign of not just being passionate about basketball video games, but really being passionate about the NBA as well and uh, and knowing your stuff. And there's definitely a lot of people in the NLSC community and people that follow us on Twitter that are super knowledgeable about the game and its history. And um, thank you to the community for you know taking part in the NLSC Top 10, which I thought was fantastic this week. You know, submitting highlights and interacting with it. You know, people taking part in the mailbag uh, as far as like NBA Live 2003 ratings, you know, just taking part in that every single week. And then, you know, also answering the question about NBA 2K23 and where you rank it in history. We have a great community. I appreciate them. Absolutely. Absolutely. We thank you for supporting all of our content. And uh, yeah, keep it locked for all the goodness yet to come. With that being said, that has brought us to the end of this week's show. As always, we thank you for tuning in. We invite you to join us again next week, either on the NLSC, nba-live.com, 
our YouTube channel, or your podcast app of choice. In the meantime, please connect with us on social media. That's where you can get in touch with us. And of course, stay up to date with all of our aforementioned content. So Derek, go ahead and plug the handles. You can reach me at d for 3 g and at d for 384 on Twitter. That's the platform where I'm the most active. Uh, you can also reach me on YouTube. Check out my content there, d for 3 And I am on the NLSC forums as a team member, d for 3 I am Andrew in our forum and Andrew NLSC on Twitter. The NLSC is on Twitter and Facebook at the NLSC. Our Instagram is NLSC Basketball. Our YouTube is youtube.com slash Center. And of course, keep it locked to the NLSC itself, mb-live.com, for everything we do for basketball video games. So, thank you once again for tuning in, and until next time, I'm Andrew. And I'm Derek. Go get buckets, everyone. <laughs>